Hello, my name is Joe Rodriguez. You're listening to Get the Money Right with Todd Butzer. Todd has decades of experience in giving real estate agents the training and resources they need to get their finances on track. In this episode, Todd will be interviewing Tony Ratchford about his journey to getting his money right. And now, here's Todd. Thanks, Joe. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 27 of Get the Money Right. And to be very frank with all of you, from the moment I conceived of this podcast, which was actually quite a while ago, and when I was first formulating it, this is a gentleman that, frankly, I wanted to have on as a guest right away from the very beginning, just because I just respect the way he does business. And I think he's going to have a lot to share with you in the next 20 minutes or so. So please join me in welcoming my really good friend, Tony Ratchford. Tony, how are you? I'm doing well. And you? I'm doing great. It's great to see you and great to have you on with us today. So for the listeners, Tony, give us a little bit of a sense of your business right now, and then we'll kind of go back in time a little bit. But tell us a little bit about your operation right now. Are you talking about KW business or are you talking about my personal sales? I'm really more interested in the sales business side of it. Although the KW office side may come into play here as we talk, but I think for now, let's talk the sales business. Okay. So I got into business in 1978 in a reasonably top producer for maybe two or three decades. And well, been 10 years, 10 and a half years ago, we decided to do Keller Williams. And I still kept the sales program going. And I have a team of six people plus myself. So there's seven of us. And we consistently do 115 transactions, 60 million plus a year for the last 10 years. And that was by design. You know, I'm getting a little long in the tooth and I uh, like to do business and have fun doing it, but I'm also spending less time doing it. So when I first met you, and I think we're going on, Tony, gosh, maybe 12 years now, somewhere around there. One of the things that I learned from you early was that you had a routine when it came to your money and your business. It's not just the financial part, but that was certainly a part of it. And the routine consisted of, I think, like a Saturday morning review, if I'm not mistaken. But can you tell us a little bit about how, quote, you visit your money, how often you take a look at things? Well, I might take you back just a little bit. I was in my mid-40s. This would have been 25 years ago. And uh, I remember going up and trying to use the ATM, and I couldn't get it to work. And I went inside and talked to one of the tellers, and they informed me that I didn't have any money in the checking account. And so it was a pretty good wake-up call, especially for somebody who had just grossed a half a million dollars the year before that. I just wasn't paying any attention to my cash. And so it was just one of those times that I really needed to get a handle on it. And the only thing I could do was I just had to start paying attention. So I went and hired an accountant, and they got us incorporated and insisted that I had paid my taxes on a quarterly basis, which I wasn't doing. And I had very little reserve. So I just made a commitment to start checking things over. And I don't know why, but Saturday mornings is quiet around the office. And I just got a chance to do it. Great accountant, great accounting system that I can look online. And so it's interesting. I still review all of the invoices and approve them, give them to Megan, my assistant. She writes the checks. And when things go through the checking account, that automatically downloads into the report and the accountant reviews it. And then I am reviewing those reports Saturday mornings. And we have actually seven companies that I review. I spend most of my time uh, doing the sales side because it's more complicated. I want to see what the sales numbers are. I want to see what the expenses are in the profits and also some projections on where we're going and 
what it looks like going forward. You mentioned, you know, this was some time ago. How long had you been going in the business, Tony, when the ATM refused to give you any money? How long had that been going on? Well, it's embarrassing. I'm 28 years old when I got into business, and I was probably 45 or 46 before I realized that I really needed to get a handle on this. I know you're very reflective and you're also extremely smart, but do you think looking back, there was a lot of angst about that or was it just not that big a deal when you were kind of shuffling the money and not really paying that much attention to it? I had a lot of cash flow and I didn't think anything of it. If I needed money, I'd just go sell another house, you know? I mean, it was one of those things. Never worried about the cash. And sometimes I didn't even cash the checks, you know? They just kind of sat there and I just sloppy, just plain sloppy. I wasn't paying attention. And you know, like anything else in this world, if you're not paying attention, if you're sloppy about it, then you're going to end up with sloppy results. It's that simple. So let's talk about that sloppy part for a second, because I think a lot of our listeners have at least experienced some of that, or maybe even that to a great deal. As you've cleaned this up now, what did it do to your business that you maybe didn't even see coming? Obviously, you were sick of not being able to go to the ATM and get money out. But what kind of transpired after you started getting a handle on this? Well, I don't know that I was so worried about the money uh, because I was always capable of going out and selling something and getting more money if I wanted to. But it got to the point where my kids were in high school and I had to start thinking about their college a little. So there was a little anxiety there. But mostly important was the fact that it's just your whole world, you know, really boils down to financing and to a certain degree. I mean, you can have all the balance in the world about your life, but if you don't have enough money to take care of yourself and take care of those that you committed to take care of, you're going to let them down. And so I'm in my mid forties and I started thinking, how long am I going to be able to do this? And I'm tired of not really knowing what was going on. So I just hired a financial consultant and he looked at my account and said, this is how much money you're spending on this and that. And I remember telling me that I spent $8,000 on clothes. I was a little bit of a clothes horse back then. and I just didn't believe him. He says, well, <laughs> you can believe me or not, but this is, you gave me your check registers. We put it all together and here's a report shows you where you spent your money. Well, guess what? I spent more money than I took in. And so there's no money left, right? And so I made a commitment at that point that I was going to learn how to spend 50% of my gross income. So I had set up a business account, put the money in the business account, took 50% of it and put it into another account. And I paid my income tax out of that 50% and left the 50% in the business. And that was quite a shocker, quite frankly, because I was accustomed just to spending whatever I wanted to do whenever I did it. I also got to a point in a very short time period, maybe a year or two, and I just started putting all the money into the checking account, the business checking account, and I started taking a check. And I was taking $5,000 a month, and I was learning to live on that. And then, of course, that grew until I got to a comfort zone that I wanted. But And you still pay yourself regularly today from the sales business? I make... $60,000 a year selling real estate, yes. Oh, I get some benefits, you know, I get a car and I pay for our health insurance and those kind of things. But that's about what we live on, actually. 
you know, of course, other income too. But let's talk about that part because the living below your means, which is what I discovered right away when I met you, was kind of a catalyst for you. You mentioned just a few minutes ago that you're involved in multiple businesses now, and I think you said seven. How did living below your means, not spending every flipping dime, how did that propel you toward these seven companies, if you will? There's a lot to be said for cash. And if I remember correctly, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, when we first met, and we were starting to talk about starting Keller Williams Realty, we needed some cash requirements. And I don't know if we need to go into that dollar amount, but it was reasonably substantial for a real estate agent to have hundreds of thousands of dollars available to them. And of course, if we didn't have that money, we wouldn't have had this opportunity to do this. And Keller Williams' business is extraordinary. So yeah, if I wouldn't have started saving, number one, I'd still be in debt. Number two, I wouldn't have had this company, the Keller Williams Agency, I wouldn't have the construction company, I wouldn't have the real estate company, I wouldn't have the building company, I wouldn't have the luxury division. I mean, there's none of that stuff would be here. I'd just be selling real estate, you know, hand to mouth. And you see the real estate agents, they're 60, 70, maybe even 80 years old, and they're still selling because they have to sell. And it's a sad deal. They didn't need to do that. They could have just quit. They just didn't need to spend that much. A lot of money, and you know, I live in a $700,000 house and I drive a $50,000 Volkswagen. And people say, Why are you driving that? Because I like it. And they go, Well, I think you'd wear, drive something a little bit more prestigious. And I go, I don't need that. I'd rather have the money. Right. So, and I love that story and I love that about you. So, when you, you had this thing click in your head and you said, Look, I got to get a handle on this, did you know at that time? how to read P&Ls? Did you know how to look at a balance sheet? Did you know how to prepare a budget or did you self-teach? How did that go, Tony? Well, when I was 20 years old, I was racking balls in the back of a pool hall. And that's when, before they had those coin operated, you actually had a guy who would rack the balls and they'd give you 10 cents or 15 cents. And and, uh, the manager got fired. And so they asked if I could step in and I did. And long story short, I actually became the manager permanently, and then I ended up buying the business, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I asked my father, who was accountant was, and he told me, and so I called him and asked him if he could just give me some pointers. And he encouraged me to go to, there was a called Northwest College of Commerce, and it was just kind of a local school, you know. So I went over and picked up a couple of um, classes on accounting. And so I learned how to read a P&L then and uh, get balance sheets. And I knew how to do all that when I was in business. But when I was making so much money selling real estate, I just didn't think I needed to take care of it. Like I, you know, I mean, when you're in business and you have inventories you got to deal with and salaries to take care of and those kind of things, you need to really pay more attention to it. And well, when I was selling real estate by myself, I mean, I had my car to take care of and a little bit of marketing. That was about it. So all the money was mine, right? You know, you just touched on something that struck a question with me where there's people when they first hear about learning a P&L and a balance sheet and how to make a budget and how to review numbers and things like that. And truthfully, what happens, Tony, to a lot of them is they just say, look, it's overwhelming for me. I've got somebody that kind of handles my books and I just don't want to take a look at it. 
What advice would you give people that are saying, look, I frankly feel better if I just kind of ignore this? What would you say about it being overwhelming? Isn't there no saying about a fool and their money is soon separated? You know, no, I don't think there's any excuse for it. If you're going to be a business person, you have to understand. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to look at every invoice like I do and approve it. Um, and I even sign the checks, but I don't do any of the recording and I don't do all the other stuff. I just know what money is being spent. I know what money is going out of the accounts. And then I look at the reports. And if I don't understand them, then I make notes and I send an email off to the accountant. And I said, explain this to me. And we go for lunch maybe once every two or three months. And we talk about what's been going on, what's in the present. So we look at the past, we look at the present, and then we project for the future based on those two things. And my net worth has quadrupled, maybe more than that, in the last 10 years. And I went from being just about broke in the mid-40s. By the time I was 52, I had amazed a million dollars. So it's been a pretty good run, you know, learning how to do this. And it's comfortable, you know, I'm getting a little long in the age, but I don't worry about anything, nothing, seriously, when it comes to finances and take care of stuff. And Yeah, it's that wonderful peace of mind that comes from getting this correct. You had a, a phrase in that last dialogue, Tony, where you said, if you're going to run a business, I think still there's a mindset amongst a, a great deal of us in the industry that I have a job and I work for a broker. And it's almost like the mindset is around being an employee. What would you say to that in terms of getting people to move that thinking to you're no different than a man or woman who owns a coffee shop or an art dealership or a small car dealer or whatever, right? You're all the same. You're a business person. You're an entrepreneur. I mean, we teach that in Keller Williams who falls here. And I tell him straight out, he said, you're an entrepreneur. And you ought to believe in capitalism because the harder you work, the more money you're going to make. Now you just have to figure out how to hang on to that money and spend it wisely. And I know my numbers. I know exactly what, how much money we're spending on what and what percentages and how far off on the budget it is. And it's, you know, I don't get all worked up over it if it goes off a little bit, but at least it brings it to my attention and I can go from there. I'm sorry to interrupt, Tony. How much time do you think that takes you? And when you do this, Saturday ritual where you get up and you read your paper and you have your coffee and then you go into the office for a little bit. How long does really the number examination, how long does that take? If I did just my KW, my Tony Ratchford group business, I would spend maybe a half hour to 45 minutes. Now, when I do this, so now I'm looking at the financials, right? The P&L, the balance sheet, but I'm also taking a look at our projected closings. So in our contact software system we have, it shows me how much cash is going to come into the Tony Ratchford Group Incorporated. And so we have our gross commission and then the dollar amount that's going to go out uh, to the agents is subtracted from that. And so I can look at that number and I can break it down by the week, by the day, by the month, by the whatever's in there. And so I look at that. And so I'll start with, here's my cash balance. Now I try to keep $100,000 in the savings account and then we need the operating cash as well. And that's about the same amount. So I take a look at what's in the pipeline and assuming that let's say there's $100,000 in the pipeline for the month, 
maybe 90, 95% of that will close. Now we've been lucky for the last several years and they all close, but you kind of project out. So you take like the other day, I had 80 some thousand dollars in the bank and we had $90,000 coming in. So I had $175,000. My overhead's $35,000. I subtracted out and I know I'm going to have this much money when it's all said and done. I know how much money I have at the end of the month. And then I do it again for the next month. And then I do it again for the next month. So I try to look out three months. So I'm not going to get stuck three months going, gee whiz, we just had a hundred thousand dollar month closing. And now we have $5,000 a month closing and we don't have any money in the bank. And so I try to keep plenty of money in the account to keep the Tony Ratchford group going, but I've got hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting inside in cash that if I needed to, I mean, we could literally go a full year in my personal and my business world. If I had no income, we could continue to see the same lifestyle, continue the same business. There's a tremendous amount of security, both with me, but my employees. And they go, things are getting kind of tough, Tony. Sales aren't as often. Where do I stand here? I said, don't worry. I've got this much money in the bank and your job is secure. Now, we're going to have some bumpy months in the wintertime. We might. But if we do, we got plenty of cash to do it. So have confidence. Just keep on moving. And, you know, we all work better when we don't have to think about the money. If you have just, I'm going to give you just a few minutes of story. I had an agent come in yesterday and talk to me. And unfortunately, they go, I think I have to sell my house. I said, okay. So we looked at it, came up with the idea that it might be worth around seven fifty, seven and a quarter. I said, how much equity do you have? Well, they owe 600 on it. And I looked at it, the numbers, and I go, given, because I went in and did the market study, and we're in a pretty solid buyer's market in that price range, 14 months of inventory, and twice as many houses that we need to have based on the absorption rate. And I said, I think you might figure 10% off of that. So maybe your house will sell for 675. And by the time you pay your closing costs, you got 50 grand. I said, if you had $50,000, what would you do with it? She said, well, I pay off my $20,000 in credit cards and $35,000 that I owe to so-and-so. And I said, you have no money left. Where are you going to live? What are you going to do? And there was no answer. There is no answer. I'm out of reserves. I'm out of equity. I'm out of closings. That person's in big trouble. I get quiet because that's why I'm doing this. Because... <laughs> I believe, and you and I have been around this a long time, but I believe there's just story after story after story after story like that. And these are individuals that are grossing some, you know, really good incomes. And that's a tragic uh, story that you just shared. And I think it's all over the place. So hearing from you and, you know, the switch going from spending more than you brought in to living below your means. It was a conscious effort. You already knew how to look at financials. You just employed that. And then you mentioned something that frankly gets, we don't talk about enough on here. And I just want to come back to it real quick and then we'll let you go. You were talking about your accountant and you said, we meet every two to three months. We have lunch, I think is what you said. And what I talked about really early in this series was you need a I mean, you don't need to do anything, but I'd recommend that you have an accountant that is more of a tax strategist that is a literally great member, if you will. Talk about your relationship with your accountant on that and the importance of ongoing dialogue versus you pull everything together and you give it to them once a year and that's it. 
Well, my accountant um, has been my accountant for 15 years, sharp young man, probably only 25 when we first started. He was actually the entry guy. And, and then I had another accountant who he worked for. And so we had one was the bookkeeper and one was the tax strategist, right? And that's who we would talk to. Well, over a period of time, my tax strategist guy stepped out. The bookkeeper stepped up into his position. And we have become friends, number one. And number two, he's also become an investor in our building. And so he owns several shares of the ownership there. But one of the things, this comes from Andy Stanley when he talks about, help me see trouble coming long before it gets here. So what I'm looking for from him is, okay, it's October. This is how much money we have. I don't even have to tell him because he's already looked at the report because he knows when we have this lunch, it's going to be a casual conversation. I don't want to go into the details. He already knows about what my income is and what, and I said, okay, so based on that, I have this coming in, this coming in, this coming in, that's what my projections are roughly. Is there something I can do from a tax strategy that might be helpful? Or what are some of the things that we can do or think about? And so he'll just throw some things on the table for me to chew on. And But he knows the numbers when we have lunch. And it's casual, but it's professional at the same time. And I rely on him to know the laws. And, and I'll ask him, what can we expect now? this coming January? What kind of changes are we going to see? And what are you doing to stay on top of this? Can I, can I count on you to know what's happening? And he'd smile, of course. He says, of course, I'm going to school. We do this all the time. We have partners. We talk. And so they're vital. Yeah. I hope really everybody caught what you just said, that, that because they are just such a vital part of a, a successful operation. So you shared just a moment ago a really tough story that literally just happened to you and is happening right now as we're doing this. But you've mentored countless agents, Tony. You've been unrelenting in, in how you give ideas, thoughts, training, support to people. You must have a story of the reverse of what we just said. There must be a story of someone that you know, and you don't have to say names or anything, but they were struggling and then they figured things out. Do you have one of those? <laughs> yeah, and I hope I don't give this person away. Six years ago, uh, this person came to our company, had been working at another company and had been unsuccessful. And this person came in in the fall and struggled a little bit. But for some reason or another, we hooked up. And so I started to mentor this person. And within about four months, we pretty much had everything in order, presentation, website, focus, person was working in the mall at $10 an hour to put food on the table, was living in the basement of a friend sleeping on a blow-up bed, literally, six years ago. And without going too far into their details, this person, within those six years, went from nothing, credit card debt maxed out, $10 an hour working, two pieces of property in a different city, two pieces of property in our town, both of them paid for total value of those would be someplace in that two million, two and a half million. Had a had a car that was probably two years old when we met and still drove that car until this year, probably had 150,000 miles on it. Everything that person made went into debt retirement, cash savings, investment. And at 46 years old now, this person coming from sleeping on a bed six years ago, on a blow-up bed six years ago, because probably financially independent, literally. What an inspiring story that is, because, you know, I think sometimes we underestimate what we can do in a period of time. And, 
you know, here's this person going from literally nothing to a multimillionaire, you know, in a very, very short period of time. Tony, I just want to personally thank you for all you do and all you've done for me. And you're just a great teacher and a great mentor to a lot of people. And you shared a lot of really great things today about getting in front of the money, so to speak, getting a mindset of paying attention. And we can't thank you enough. Well, I I want to thank you. And all I'm trying to do is walk in your footsteps. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Tony. That concludes this episode of Get the Money Right. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our new episodes that come out every Monday. We have a Get the Money Right Facebook group linked to the description where we post discussions to answer your questions. If you want to support the show, please leave a five-star review and share with your colleague. If you're a real estate agent who's getting their money right and want to be guests on the show, please submit all inquiries to getthemoneyright.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.